and welcome to episode 792 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, Wednesday, March 11th. I'm your host, Paul Four, joined by Justin Mason. The days are bleeding together. Justin, how are you, bud? Uh, surviving. I- I'm here. A true, true professional would just restart when I do that. It's like, yeah, let's, let's just go with it so people can make fun of me. Um, we will not be seeing each other this weekend, unfortunately. The, uh, the Roner... Coronavirus has uh, canceled Tout Wars, which is unfortunate. Um, just probably the smart move because everything can be done online. In, in the end, you know, we all wanted to meet up, hang out, and uh, this was the decision. I, I don't envy the board, the Tout board, of having to make this decision. It was a very tough call because everyone, like, you know, we all want to get together, but it just uh, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. So we will not be seeing each other this weekend. But are you still excited to do your Tout Wars and main event? Anyway, because I, I think you're going to be doing them online, yes? Yeah, I'm doing both online from from the confines of, of uh, the Mason Murder Mansion, um, as people have <laughs> coined my office. Uh, I love it. So uh, hopefully I'll have some time between now and then to kind of clean it up a little bit, because I'm going to do a live stream. So I'm going to live stream both my main event, which is Saturday at noon Eastern, and then uh, NL Tout, which is... Uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, which is 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. Pacific, which is going to be a bit brutal. Um, but Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a small silver lining here. Uh, you know, the, the release of MLB the show is tomorrow at uh, midnight Eastern, 11 my time, and so I'll be able to stream the game all weekend and play. I will have your your stream up on Saturday afternoon for sure. Watching your uh, watching your draft, Justin Mason FWFB on Twitter to get the links to those live streams. And uh, you've been doing a bunch of live streams of your drafts. They've been a lot of fun to hang out. So uh, y'all should definitely check that out. Can talk draft, can ask questions about strategy and whatnot. And it's fun to just kind of like I kind of like observing a, a draft. You know, I was going to do one for the NFBC on on Twitch yesterday and just caught commentated i wasn't in it i was just commentating it but they had a little hiccup with the system so it didn't uh, actually get to pop off and it was kind of unfortunate because i really want to see where this pitcher market's going to go our boy jason collette just uh dm'd us uh, with a copy of the carlos carrasco tweet about getting an mri and it ruled out structural damage but there is mild inflammation and he'll be shut down for a little bit and he said matt boyd's gonna go for 25 this weekend in al tout like it the, the pitcher market it it happens, you know. This is not a completely unique year, but the pitcher market is getting hammered right now, and uh, it's been it's been kind of brutal. So we'll see how all of it goes. Um, it's going to be interesting. But today we're going to actually talk the other side of the battery, the catchers, the backstops, and so this will be one of our shorter previews because there's just not a lot of depth to get into. But let's start and uh, get into it because we're on a little bit of a hard out and go at the top here. This is the uh, this is the super five. These, these are the five that are kind of being crowned as the elite of the elite, and there might be a little bit of tiering with within this group. I mean, I shouldn't even say might. There is, but I, I put all five of them together. You're paying a premium for catcher if you're if you're getting this, even though Real Muto stands on his own. Then there's Sanchez, and then the other three kind of grouped together. But I'm putting them all in one group. It's JT Real Muto at pick fifty. Gary Sanchez at 85, Yasmani Grandal at 106, Wilson Contreras at 124, and Mitch Garver at 125. This is with the average draft position for the NFBC Online Championships starting March 2nd through March 11th. 
that covers 25 drafts. The link is always in the show notes, and then you just have to adjust um, online and, and the date. So with the top five, let me ask first things. How often are you buying from this pool? Because it is the expensive pool of catcher. Not very often, and this is going to be a recurring theme for me during the podcast, is I'm just not paying for catcher super often. Now, I think one of the caveats is that uh, in best ball or uh, NFBC, NFBC cut line, like uh, when, I, when I did my NFBC cut line, like I ran the ATC projections through it, like GTO Ramuto was like a top 25 player in that format. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so really I grabbed him. Yeah, I grabbed him in both of my cut line drafts this year. Um, and then, you know, and then followed it up with, you know, another three catchers later on. Um, so <clears throat> I'm I'm not opposed to taking Real Muto, Sanchez, Grandal, or Contreras uh, at all. Uh, I just, it's got to cut, it's got to be at a discount. It's going to be in a draft where they drop, uh, not like avoiding avoiding taking a more expensive catcher but i'm just wait did you leave I, some guys off of that i left i left mitch garver off of that okay okay we'll get into that in a moment then then continue uh yeah so those the top four i'm i'm not like taking them off my board or anything or or avoiding them but they need to come at some sort of discount from where they have been going for me to be willing to do it and with pitching being pushed up uh, likely uh, at the main event and in other drafts going on, uh, you know, until the start of season, there's a chance that that happens. So I could end up with one of them, and I don't mind it because I do think you get a better, uh, you know, better return on investment than kind of playing in the bottom pool or having to stream uh, catcher throughout the season. But there's also guys I like, kind of low, lower, you know, some vets or some you know bounce back guys or even some breakout guys from last year. Uh, that I'm willing to just take the shot on as well. Yeah, um, I really do think that uh, we're going to see the dynamics of the market really change here. Pitching always gets pushed up late in the NFBC, like uh, late in draft season. So starting this weekend and on uh, with the main events coming, people go out and get their guys. But then with all the injuries uh, that we're talking about too, some of these catchers could get pushed down. What is your uh, ideal but also realistic price? from uh for real muto right is average 50 ranging from 38 to 71 i don't know if that 71 is you know he's had a bunch of 60s and a 71 uh or if that's an outlier on its own where he's really more in the say 38 to 55 range but what what do you realistically want to pay for real muto uh that, that you think you could get in in most drafts i think after pick 60 i'm starting to get real interested uh and I'm, and then for Sanchez, it's probably after his ADP, pick 75 seems pretty fair for the most part. So mm -hmm. it's really about roster construction, too. I mean, it depends on how many guys, how many offensive guys I've already taken, how I feel about my speed situation, my pitching situation, uh, whether or not, and obviously, who else is there at time, you know, the time of the pick? You know, there are times at around pick 50 where I go, I really don't love a lot of the options. Like nobody's standing out to me. Nobody's dropped, uh, and so I'll, I'll really take a hard look at a real Muto. Uh, so I think it's yeah. I think around pick sixty is where I'm really gonna uh, pull the trigger. But it hasn't happened in any other drafts other than uh, I believe my my two cut lines. Yeah, and I uh, 
share your general thoughts on on the group here with regards to I'm not seeking them out necessarily, but I'm also not running from them, particularly Grandal Contreras, but I also throw in Garver. So let's focus on Garver here. You noticeably left him off when you were saying that you'd pay for the top four but uh, at, at the right price, but not Garver. Why not? Uh, he had that breakout year last year. Yes, it was a amazing sample in or amazing results in a small sample, but he's going to get more volume. So even if the rates come down, I feel like there's going to be the counterbalance of getting a lot of uh, a, a lot more volume this year. So what, why aren't you in on him? Well, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because I don't know. The volume is my question. Uh, we <laughs> he only played. Uh, in what well, only had 359 plate appearances last year. It was an amazing 359 plate appearances. Sure, for sure. And I, I don't think anybody is expecting him to continue on the pace that he did. Uh, my question is with the signing of Donaldson, uh, you know, and him manning third base every night, moving Sano over to first base, Nelson Cruz at DH. How, how much more volume do we really expect him to get? A lot more because Jason Castro is gone and Alex Avila isn't nearly as good. Yeah, I just don't know if I am in on that, and so I'm I'm just I'm worried that I, we're gonna see. I I need an explanation. There. I don't mean to press and ne- I'm not trying to be nasty, but like Alex Avila is much worse than Jason Castro, particularly like like uh, uh, Castro's defense was was a big was a big deal there that really helped him stay uh stay in the lineup regularly so why wouldn't garver get a a more of like a 60 40 type of share as opposed to anything like a 50 50 i i really do think that that the departure of castro opens things up for garver here do you have confidence in avila i don't have necessarily confidence in avila i just don't know that they're gonna they're going to run Garver out there five days a week. I just think it's, uh, I, th- I think it, it feels unlikely to me. Uh, and the projection systems have him largely, I mean, outside of ATC, which is the number one projection system, uh, <laughs> at least last Congrats year. That's the aerial on mm-hmm. that, yes. Uh, outside of ATC, all of the projection systems have him for less than 400 plate appearances. Sure, but they're all going off of his his history with just two years of 335 and 359 and they don't really factor in something like the incumbent leaving and and, and opening that up what depth charts does uh depth charts aren't fully done yet though like that like they haven't been I, i don't think dan's done his full like this is this is everything like i think he lets the dust settle on spring training a bit and then uh attacks it I don't know. I just I don't really see. I don't see how he doesn't get four hundred plate appearances. Yeah, so that's I, at least sit forty more, which is not crazy more. But I think at least four hundred is what I'm saying uh, for Garver. And I, I hear you on the uh, on, on the Cruz and Sano thing. And I know you love Sano, but the dude literally never stays healthy. Dare you? And and Nelson Cruz is forty, and I love Cruz, right? And I'm uh, you know. But let's be realistic. Um, Sano's health, Cruz's age, that either of them going down would open up even more playing time for Garver. So I'm betting on at least another 40 point appearances, which will only curb, you know, will only cancel out 
so much of the the rate regression. I'm not saying that uh, that's going to cover everything there, but I guess let's let's, oh, let's do this. Let's step back real quick. Let's boil down. What numbers are you expecting out of Garver? Uh, I'm some, expecting let's put some like runs RBIs on it with the with a batting average. Two or, or homers RBIs. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, twenty. Two twenty-three home runs, maybe like sixty-five RBI, two okay. fifty, two sixty batting average, something like that. You're kind, you're kind of, you're beating the projections then. So you you like the projections better, and um, I think in a comparison to uh, what's his head Wilson Contreras, who is going right by. Uh, that that seems that seems pretty similar. Contreras had 24, 64, and a two seventy two, so he was a little bit better there, uh, particularly with the average, which I will give an average edge to Contreras. But if that's what your projection is, there's the upside for more from Garver because what if what if he does? What if the rates don't really go down a lot? Like they're going to go down. Three fifty seven ISO, twenty nine percent homer to fly ball. I want to be clear here. The rates are coming down for Garvey. He's not going to hit homers at 31 per 359 plate appearance clip. That was insane. But what if he is more 25, 70, 260? Yeah, I just don't think I'm willing to, to pay the price. And, I mean, I haven't paid the price on Contreras either this year. So, I, you know, maybe I, I'm, I'm probably out on him as well. But Okay. Uh, I think you're missing out. But, uh I'm okay. You know, we'll we'll I'm see, okay how, it, we'll see how it goes with catchers. Okay. All right. So those are the top five guys. Um, again, neither of us are fully out on them. It's really kind of playing it as the draft uh, as, as the draft comes to us on that. Before we get into the other group, I will say you kind of hinted at what your what your strategy might be. But what is what is your general strategy? You, you could end up with a top guy, but what what do you usually go in looking to do at catchers? Is it full punt? Take you know take two guys late. Two two one dollar guys if it's an auction, um, is it mid punt? What 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 is your idea? And then you kind of adjust from there. What where do you start at? Well, I guess we should probably talk about format because format obviously dictates absolutely what my strategy. So obviously we're mostly talking about two catcher leagues. I know a lot of people play one catcher leagues. In a one catcher league, I either want a stud or I'm just gonna wait. Uh, especially if I'm like a ten or a twelve team cat or uh, one catcher yeah. league. Like there's no if you don't get real Muto or Sanchez and you know I'll throw Gary Grandall into that mix or Garver yeah, uh, yeah. you know, Garver for you like uh, <laughs> there's no reason to like pop earlier on a guy like Sal Perez or Will Smith uh, it just just wait until you are you know it's pretty much your last position to fill it's I, mean, I, I actually agree with that because the emergence of the C twos last year, the, the the flood of C twos that came into the league, catcher twos, um, that would now, you know, you can pick from and a bunch are gonna be on the wire. There's a huge glob. We talk mm-hmm. about the pitching globs, there's a catching glob for sure. There's actually a couple of them. So I totally get that uh for a 10, 12 team, one catcher league. Either go big or just sit tight. And and someone will be there for you. So what about two catcher leagues? Let's start shallow, and then we'll get into the depth. Uh, in, in two catcher leagues, I tend to like to not completely punt both, um, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to do it. So it, it it largely depends on what the pricing is, and we see catchers go in runs 
very similar to uh, the way we see closures go. Typically, we see, you know, kind of, like you said, there's these globs. And so once one or two people grab from that glob, then other people tend to follow suit to not be left out of that tier. Uh, I re- Really, for me, it's a, it's a thing where I... I kind of, unless there's someone that really stands out to me, and there's very few people this year that really do stand out to me, I'm pretty much just waiting till I get to a point in the draft where I go, you know what, there's nobody here I really like that much. All right, let's see what catchers are available. Mm-hmm. And I kind of uh, feel in that way. Yeah, no, I I, to- I totally get that. And let's uh, super deep, like 15-plus team mixed and ALNL only. How are you approaching it? Now, an NL only uh, or AL only, I'm much more likely to not wait. I'll, I'll pay to up. not pun at all. Yeah. I, I tend to want guys that, uh, one, I know we're going to have kind of solid good playing time, uh, and I do not want the $1 catchers. Like, I'm, I'm rarely yep. the guy that gets two $1 catchers. Uh, last year at Tout, I, I think I paid up for uh, Buster Posey and someone else. Obviously, Posey didn't work out well, but I mean, the negative value you get from one dollar catchers in mono leagues is uh, not good. <laughs> so, no, uh, I, it, it's actually aggressively bad. So, and there's so many you. people that kind of subscribe to the punt catcher kind of theory that they tend to the the upper tier ones. This is where I'll get, you know, like a real Muto, a Contreras. Uh, you know, one of those guys is in, you know, NL Tout because there's so many guys that go, I'm just going to get two $1 catchers and figure it out, uh, that it ends up kind of suppressing the price of the top tier guys. No, I totally get that. And um, I, I share pretty much your, your same your same take across the board here where I don't really want to punt in the deeper leagues, especially ALNL, but even in 15-team mix, I don't necessarily want it to be uh, two back-end guys. And I think we've referenced this the past couple of years, so I'll do it again. Uh, the Amazing Baseball Forecaster, they got their great profiles, and you should l- enjoy those. But there's a lot of amazing information in the front of the book in the form of different essays, including one about um, dollar value uh, of, of each position. And the dollar catchers are worthless like mm. not only worthless they're they, drag they kill you minus like i think it's like minus ten dollars mm-hmm. each on average like on average so for some of you that are like oh i know i hit this one last year okay cool but that you found such a major outlier there so i don't want to be punting um and, and so yeah I, sh- I share your opinion on virtually all of it with regards to strategy there so let's get into the next group and talk about still good but not elite and we're generally passing on these guys as a group, but we still need to talk about them for those of our listeners who aren't passing on them. Salvador Perez, and he's going at pick 156. Will Smith at 160. Wilson Ramos at 174. And then Omar Narvaez at 198. Uh, I mean, these are another... I, I really was getting a lot of shares of Will Smith early in draft season. Um, I've tempered that a little bit. Uh, for, so, for something due to due to him? Not necessarily due to him, just the the price and not wanting to pay the price on a catcher yeah. as early as these guys are going. Uh, like I, Sal Perez is pretty trendy kind of name in the catcher pool. Uh, he really is. He's been he's been really advancing his price. Yeah, and I mean that that comes a lot from a lot of guys in the industry that are 
really buying in on the bounce back. And I like I think he's gonna be good. I yeah, don't, I don't blame him. I just don't know that he will get the volume that we're used to seeing from him necessarily. Um, it's it's a new new well, manager. He's well, coming off of Ned a Yost. yeah. He's coming off of a you know bad injury. Um, but they can DH him. Counterpoint. Mike Matheny's an idiot. Yeah, no, I, that and he'll just he'll just you know he'll just push him to the hill. Mm-hmm. I I don't disagree with that necessarily, um, and I, I just I wonder if they'll work him back maybe a little bit slower at least at catcher. I mean they they obviously have room to you know throw him at first or if they want to teach him and, and throw Solaire out into the outfield they can do that. So he should be able to get back to around 500 plate appearances. Projections yeah. are all kind of over the place with him. Uh, I tend to not be as high as the market, and so I haven't gotten any shares, but it doesn't mean I haven't been you know, thinking about pulling the trigger in certain drafts. It just hasn't happened yet. I, th- I think he'll get – I think Sal Perez will get get that 500. Um, and he's a steady 20-something homers. Uh, in fact, his last two seasons, 17 and 18, remember he missed with Tommy John last year, uh, were a dead even 2780 for both. But the average was way different, 268, 235. So that gives you kind of the range of outcomes there. Um, but even on even on the bad end of the average, you can live with that from catcher. Although, to counter myself immediately, Sal Perez, of all people, kind of counters that because he does have the volume. So he, he almost makes it uh, a little bit tougher to absorb his bad batting averages when he does have them. But you could spike a good one, too. He's had a 268, a bunch of 260s, and then earlier in his career, he was actually a pretty good batting average guy. But I think speed, uh, you know, cr- creeping down further and further with age uh, continues to make that tough. You can't really leg out much uh, when when you're Sal Perez. So, uh, okay, so Sal Perez, Will Smith, Wilson Ramos. Speaking of can't leg out anything, my guy is so painfully slow. He's literally, just he's literally a one speed in MLB the show. A one. Dude. They gave him a one. I think one is so much funnier than a zero. I don't know why. It's like we assessed it and we decided to hit you with a with a one, dude. We ran the numbers. Is zero and possible? You are a one. Oh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, you can get you can get a zero. Um but no, they they ran the numbers. They're like, eh, one, dude. We got you. For context, what is like Billy Hamilton? Is he like ninety nine or is he, he is a full on ninety nine? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. And Real Muto's in like the high sixties, low seventies. So it's an advantage to not have him clogging up the bases because you know most catchers do. Um, but yeah, so Wilson Ramos, here's your one speed, but he does hit well. And uh, he hit well again last year, kind of under the radar, I think. 14 homers, 73 ribbies, 288 average. He just kind of gets it done. Health is, has been probably his biggest question mark over his career. But last year he played 141. He, he, had, he was full-time last year. Um, he stayed healthy. Age 32, does Wilson Ramos strike you as somebody to, to go for out of these four if you're, if you're moving off the, uh, the Will Smith train? You can get him. You get him about twenty picks late, uh, fifteen picks later, a round later. We'll say in fifteen teamers. He is a guy that I'm somewhat interested in. Again, not a guy I've had any shares of yet. Uh, but I like the fact that three of the last four years he's had a batting average of two eighty eight or higher, 
which is typically batting average isn't something you typically get from the catching position. Yeah. So especially that's what I like about it. Yeah, especially if you start moving down. Uh, the power is just never returned from that 2016 season with the Nationals where he busts out for 22 home runs. So we have mm-hmm. to assume that that is the outlier, and he's probably a 15 homer guy. So I think it largely depends on what your team needs as you get to this point in the draft. If you're if you're power deficient, I, I definitely would go a different direction uh, at catcher. But if you're average deficient or taking a catcher that can be an average suck will make you average deficient, uh, then Ramos is a, is a good guy to kind of help cushion uh, any blow that a, a typical catcher would uh, would do to your average. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so that's Wilson Ramos. Omar Narvaez is going to move out to Milwaukee, uh, gets a park improvement, gets a lineup improvement. You know, he's kind of quietly emerged as, as a real steady option. Folks really like him. His defense is pretty poor, which is a bummer for Milwaukee pitchers because they're going from Grandal to Narvaez. But he popped 22 homers last year. He's always been an average guy. Always. I don't want to go too far with that. He's really only had two seasons before this, and they were 90 and 97 games, respectively. But he hit 277, 275 those two years. So it's looking like, okay, you can get good batting average and a few homers. He hit 278 last year, but jumped to the 22 homers. So that was a big deal. Only had 55 ribs because of that terrible Mariners team that he was on. Like I said, going to the Brewers, still probably going to hit lower in their lineup. So the trade-off is better lineup, but hitting lower. Still, I would take that advantage. How do you feel about Omar Narvaez? Can he back up what he did last year and hit for similar or even maybe more power? I think he can definitely hit for similar or... Maybe even more power. Like I don't get the projections on him. Every all the projections. Well, again, they're they're taking seventeen and eighteen and and giving a lot of you know a lot of credence to that as well. So they can't just go off of nineteen and and say that that's his guaranteed new power level because it was a big spike. It was a big spike, but he's also moving to a much better stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know a much better team. I think that there is a realistic chance that he returns the same kind of value as last season, uh, and there is obviously some concern that he can that he can be a very bad catcher. <laughs> He's a good hitter, but a, a very bad catcher, and that he uh, uh, that he loses time because he's hurting his pitchers, and we already saw. I think earlier in spring training, Brandon Woodruff being very, very uh, frustrated with having Navarez behind the plate. And yeah. so my opinion is his caddy. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you can't have everybody asking for Pena to be his no, caddy. Well, so that's the, the stud gets him. You know, everyone yeah. else you got to deal with the stud, the stud gets him. OK, so let's let's tamp down 482 on the plate appearances for Narvaez. Um, but even if it goes down to, say, 400. That could still be some pretty, you know, that, that could still be good because if the batting average remains or even improves and he hits 15, 16 homers, which would be a similar rate. Well, actually, no, that would be a, a dip. If you if you kind of if you can take the same homers that he had last year and move it down to 400 plate appearances, it should still be closer to 18, 19 homers uh, with a 275 average. I'd take that from Narvaez. Yeah, I would as well. So, so I, I'm yeah, gotta believe in him. I'm okay with him. Let's talk about Will Smith real quick. I don't. I yes, don't. Yes, even yes, though, yes. like I said, I haven't uh, been getting the shares. Like I still think he is a very, very good player. 
and I think there is obviously, you know, I mean, now that he's going to be kind of the, the main catcher in L.A., you have to like <laughs> like the opportunity. And so while mm-hmm. the, the price has pushed me away from him because he's currently going off as, what, the number six catcher, 146 uh, overall, like there will be drafts where he drops. I mean, his max is 189. So obviously there are going to be drafts where he, where he drops. And uh, that is when he does, I'll, I'll grab shares. Cause I, I, I believe in the talent uh, and I love the team around him in spite of it being the Dodgers. Uh, so I, I think, I mean, 20, squad. yeah, 20 plus home runs. Uh, I, the, the projection systems all have him at like, 225 to 235 in terms of batting average, I think he's a much better hitter than that. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be like 270 or 280, but I, I don't see any reason why he can't repeat the 253 we saw last year. Yeah, uh, so, you know, Will Smith got that that fire start, hit a low. Uh, the bottom line was still 15 homers with a 253 average and a uh, 907 OPS, though. So there was still a lot to like. With that Will Smith debut, he ended up passing Kiebert Ruiz as the guy. You know, coming into the season last year, it was Ruiz, Ruiz, Ruiz. Smith was was acknowledged, but but a little bit more of an afterthought, really, um, with regards to possibly taking that job, especially because some people were still thinking, hey, maybe with Grandal gone, Austin Barnes can do something, and the Austin Barnes thing is done. I'm out. You know, if Jimmy Nelson's me, fine. You guys can have it. I'm out on on the Austin Barnes experience. My goodness, um, but yeah, Will Smith should have you know the role pretty fully there. I think Barnes is really more of a once a week type of guy. Twenty five year old Will Smith should be able to handle it. And even if he does only hit two fifty something again, uh, the the volume should should be more than enough to take care of it. And let's see, he is uh, ADP was one sixty. Oh, okay, so it's lower. Oh, I'm not on. I'm on all drafts for some reason. All right. Yeah, 160 since March 2nd. That's not too bad for Will Smith. Yeah. That's you know I I can deal with that. And there's going to be drafts since, since that's the average, of course. There's going to be drafts where he even goes behind Ramos and Narvaez, and then I'm really thinking, okay, folks took the two vets. Let me get the young guy and see see what he can do. So um, I do like that. I, I don't mind this whole this whole nine here. In fact, I, I think I will in my deeper leagues be playing in this pool for one of my catchers with some regularity if if things work out. Again, I'm ready to pivot and and jump into this next year that we're going to talk about uh, if the co- costs are too high. But like you said at the outset, with pitching moving up, it could move some of these guys down, and then we could benefit there. But let's talk about the emerging backstops. This was the group uh, that really became part of the, uh, the the cluster of C2s that emerged last year. Out of, and there ended up being so many solid guys. Uh, so it's this group plus, plus one rookie who hasn't really done a whole lot yet. He had a brief uh, MLB stay in the form of Sean Murphy. But let's talk about these guys. It is Christian Vasquez for Boston. His ADP is uh, 203. And then Carson Kelly, 206. The aforementioned Sean Murphy, 211. Jorge Alfaro, 221. Tom Murphy, 236. Francisco Mejia, 237. Danny Jansen, 261. And Roberto Perez, 285. There are a few veterans that are mixed in above Perez, but uh, for the sake of, of the way this group is is listed as the emerging backstops, included him. And then I'll put the other two down in 
the uh, boring vets tier after this. So we won't necessarily talk about every single one of these guys, but Vasquez really jumped up last year. In fact, Vasquez, the two bookends here, Vasquez and Perez, their power came out of nowhere, man. Like Vasquez hit three homers in 18, had a 283 slug. Like, tell me he doesn't love that ball. He's doing everything he can. You know the whole story about how uh, Jason Grimsley went into the umpire's office and stole Albert Bell's corked bat <laughs> many years ago? Mm-hmm. Do, are you familiar yeah, with yeah, that yeah. story? Christian Vasquez is doing the same thing to ensure that 2019 balls yeah. <laughs> are in the Fenway umpires clubhouse so that when, at least on the home games, they're using 2019 balls because my goodness, uh, I'm sure, you know, there's some skills growth too. I don't want to just say, I'm not trying to diminish him by saying that, but he no doubt took advantage. Meanwhile, Roberto Perez had two homers in 18 with a 263 slug, even worse, and then popped 24. These two guys loved what was going on last year. They really had power surges. Who do you believe in more? And and what do you think? Uh, how much of this do you think was skill for this duo here, Vasquez and Perez? I think Vasquez is largely a product of the juice ball. I mean, you look at his, uh, at his exit velocity numbers, his hard hit percentages. They're like league average stuff. And uh, I just don't, I don't buy it, especially with the... Uh, thought that we could see a less juiced ball uh this year i'm i'm staying far far away from from vasquez not to mention he's at the top of yeah i was gonna say especially at the the price yeah it's just if i if i can get perez what 80 picks later Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm gonna do that and i'm not necessarily a huge perez guy either uh i mean there's like three or four guys in this tier that i just i've been getting in all my drafts uh, either as my catcher one or catcher two, um, and sometimes I'm I'm double dipping kind of in this tier, uh, but I'm I'm I I'm unlikely to get Vasquez Perez. I've seen him drop so far in drafts where I go, yes. well, it's it, it's it's well worth the price at this point. Uh, the market has really not bought in on what Perez did, especially in comparison to Vasquez. Which I mean I understand. I mean, sure. You, you look at his. I mean, his ex batting average was two twenty seven. So I mean, even if he does, Ber- hit, Perez's was. Excuse yeah, me? Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Roberto Perez's ex batting average was uh, two twenty seven last year. So like, even if you do get twenty home runs again from him, it's coming at a cost uh, yes. to, to the rest of your team. Uh, so I, I understand why the market is out on him, but he's one of those guys where if you've got the batting average cushion, you're punting batting average. Uh, it's it, he, he's definitely a guy that you can get pretty late, but I mean, I really like pretty much the rest of these guys, the rest of these guys in this tier, uh, outside of, uh, Francisco Mejia. Uh, and so I'm, with you. yeah, so I'm pretty much just grabbing from what the other, like five or six guys, whatever it is. All right. So yeah, we covered the bookends here just because they really emerged, uh, so much with their power there. So that was, that was Vasquez. And Roberto Perez. Now let's get into the middle. Carson Kelly comes over from St. Louis. You know they bought low with uh, with the Kelly Weaver deal. Both both guys had kind of come off of down seasons. I think that's why they were able to get both in that Paul Goldschmidt deal because these were two really highly touted prospects. Well, Kelly got back on track across the board because even his defense had sputtered in eighteen. So it was a really 
you know, was really looking bad for him. But he had a really strong season for them, uh, for for the Diamondbacks. Thing of it is, still still didn't hit righties. So was still pretty heavy uh, platoon, where he had an 11-28 against lefties and a 7-08 against righties. 7-08 isn't the end of the world, but it's propped up by a 3-03 OBP there because he still only hit 2-03 for the batting average. So with Carson Kelly, do you see some potential growth against righties, or is this is he always just going to kind of have that that uh, short side platoon, but the defense is still going to allow him to play against righties, which means it's going to undercut his fantasy potential? What, what do you really think about Carson Kelly going into his second full season here? I like Kelly a lot. I know there are some concerns that they brought in Stephen Vogt, uh, and that vote could get you know a fair amount of time versus versus righties uh, i i understand that concern but vote is an atrocious catcher yes that's true but i do i do think he's gonna get a fair share of time but i i don't think he's taking like all the verse right no i i don't think i don't even i think carson kelly still get more than 50 percent uh yep. of the plate appearances oh, and, fully agree and i think that he should have no problem uh, repeating or even passing what he did last season. I think he's a guy we can pretty much lock in for 18 to 22 home runs and a 245, 250 batting average uh, on in a good lineup. Like this is a good lineup again. So uh, I I've gotten shares of Carson Kelly, especially when he's dro- he's dropped kind of in this tier and have been in a number of drafts. Uh, where that's happened, so uh, he's a guy that I already have, I think, two or three shares of, uh, so I think I'll, and if he drops in the main, I'll, I'll, he's he's another guy that I'll go after. I, I'm not worried about vote taking away so much time that he's not valuable at the price. So you're still, you're still bought in on Kelly because uh, vote doesn't really undercut him. I understand vote that I share it. Atrocious, atrocious behind the plate. It's oh for sure. Like for I sure. mean, having like don't get me wrong. Like when he hits the bombs and stuff like that, it's great. But having watched him the last you know couple of years in uh, you know in San Francisco and in Oakland, it is just like I don't even know if the metrics really bear out how bad he is. I will say one thing I do like about Vote though is that. He could bounce around the diamond a little bit. And anytime you can get a non-catching catcher, you, you got you got to like that. So he could, you know, just fill in here and there on, you know, outfield, first base. It's not going to be a ton because they've got guys at all those spots. But if injuries pop up too, so if we could get a non-catching catcher in the form of vote, I think that would really uh, uh, enhance his value for deeper leagues too because he. He bounced back last year. He was a bit above average with a 107 WRC plus and 10 homers and 280 plate appearances. So keep an eye on vote, but not as somebody who's going to really undercut um, undercut Kelly. I, I don't see that either. So I do share your opinions uh, on that one in particular. Let's move over to Sean Murphy, the rookie in Oakland. Now, I have a pretty firm aversion to rookie backstops. So I'm not really... Uh, and on this, particularly when you factor in the market being super hyped on on a rookie backstop, which is definitely the case with Sean Murphy, uh, the price being a 211 pick, which is still, you know, a pretty, you know, fairly instrumental part of your team. You know, we're in the teens rounds at that point, r- ranging between 16 and, and 19 as far as the rounds that that Sean Murphy goes in. But you're still getting guys that that 
you want to play, you have expectations for. It's not an over-the-top cost, but it's certainly not as cheap as I would want to really be bought in. I like Murphy, but I usually take the first year off on a rookie catcher. I'm willing to lose on that and then jump back in, uh, obviously at a higher price if he pans out, but I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to really be having Sean Murphy shares. How do you feel about the Oakland backstop? Uh, I was more in on him before they made the move to go get Austin Allen. Uh, and we will talk about Allen in a bit. Yeah, I, I like Allen a lot. I uh, got burned by Danny Jansen, and spoiler alert, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll probably get burned by him again this year. Yes, but at such a lower cost. Yeah. And I did too, and I broke my rule. Uh, he had debuted, though, so it was, and, and so has Murphy, but um, Jansen had a, had a more of a sample, and I... I I fell for it. I did, and I, I, I broke. I broke my rule there. So, uh, but at least, at least, if we go back to the Dan Jan train, it'll be at a much cheaper price. So, uh, you're not really in on Murphy either, then. Uh, I mean, if he drops, I just he hasn't. I mean, people are, are pretty stoked on him. Uh, I'm not as stoked, and I'd rather get the guy I was burned on uh, last year mm-hmm. or his namesake, uh, kind of in this tier. Uh, I'm 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 with you on on both those takes. Jorge Alfaro, uh, first off, a little bit of an oblique situation has been cleared to return to baseball activities as of uh, a week ago. So stay tuned on that. But let's, for the sake of this conversation, at least assume a modicum of health, and because uh, otherwise, obviously, that would change everything. So you know, keep keep walking at at the news on Alfaro up until your draft date. But if he is healthy and ready to go. How do you feel about him? Because he's really been uh, perplexing as somebody who follows advanced stats. When you look at what he's been able to do these last two years, hitting 262 on the button, he's trying to do his own little Chris Davis thing here, because of massive BABIPs that he's been able to outrun his god-awful strikeout and walk pr- profile. He's a 37 and 33% strikeout guy the last two years with a 5% walk rate. But 406 and 364 BABIPs have helped him still keep that batting average for two factors. One, he hits the ball on the ground a lot. And two, he actually has a decent little bit of speed. Again, for, you know, related to a catcher. So he can leg out some infield hits and steal some hits that way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn by this. It's two years now that he's done it, but I still just can't get comfortable with a catcher that strikes out that much, being able to maintain such a great Babbitt. Because what about the year that he's just unlucky? And, and it's, and it's, 320 on the on the BABIP that batting average is going to hell so um <laughs> how do you feel about Jorge Alfaro now third year in a row can he can he do it can he do it for a third straight year I think he can uh okay I, I really like uh Jorge Alfaro you, you said that like he has good speed for a catcher no he has good speed for a major league player his sprint speed is in the 90th percentile that's completely fair. You're right. You're right. He, mean, has, he, has, he has good speed, full stop. It's amazing when you factor in that he's a catcher. How about that? Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that he's a catcher is what allows him to get away with the huge strikeout rates. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I don't even know what Miami has behind him necessarily. He's a pretty decent catcher, too, right? At yeah. least with, I know he has a strong arm, but is he a good framer as well? Uh, I mean, I'd say he's average in terms okay, of that, framing. Okay, that plays, though. His that works. framing metric on... Uh, baseball savant has him in the 30, uh, 30, uh, 34th percentile. I can't talk right now. Um, so, I mean, not great, but not like truly atrocious. A great pop time, 91st percentile. Yeah. 
and, and dude can hose dude's it. Dude's got yeah. a cannon. He's an athlete. I mean, yes. this is what he is. Uh, he was going to play third if catching didn't didn't mm-hmm. work out. Uh, and I think he probably would have been pretty decent there as well. So, um, I I I liked him before the injury. Uh, now, obviously, the injury scares you a little bit in case of you know that he's going to have to miss some time, especially if it is like an oblique thing. Uh, but with him already starting baseball activities, as long as uh, he, there's no setbacks. Uh, you know, before draft days and stuff like that. Uh, I love him now because the price is just plummeting in drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the fear on Alfaro is is making him an even better buy. Now, um, Francisco Cervelli is the backup, by the way. He said you didn't mm-hmm. know who was back oh, there, right. which is uh, – Cervelli's not too bad, but his health is his very health is scary, scary right yeah. now. And I'm scared le- like legitimately for his overall – well-being because he's had a lot of concussions and i know he's, he's on that playing yeah Ex- exactly i thought he would be moving out of catcher to be honest and try to play you know regular first or um i think he's i think cervelli himself's actually played some third uh in recent years but so that's the backup right now with alfaro healthy alfaro you're definitely in on but the price has come down because people are worried about that health going around pick 221 i'm taking alfaro over murphy even with the injury scare Easily, personally. Yeah, I'm taking him over Murphy. I think I'm I'm taking him over Vasquez uh, and Perez. He's right there with Kelly for me. I may lean Kelly just because uh, of the health, but uh, I, I do. I, I like him a lot, and if he's healthy, I think he is. He's got a legit shot to, uh, for his first 20 home run season, um, mm-hmm. and he he. You know, gives you a batting average that's not going to kill you. Now, it could drop, obviously. Like you said, if the BABIP, you know, doesn't even need to crater. Just, you know, but just bottoms out a little bit. He'll hit 240. Uh, but that's okay from a catcher who's going to give you some power. Exactly. He was the 11th catcher last year um, uh, by the Rasball Player Raider, and he's 13th off the board. So the market's not really, you know, pushing him up there for Jorge Alfaro. And like I said, and- dropping in a lot of drafts. I mean, yes. Starting to go way down because of the oblique scare. Yeah. His his max pick is two seventy one. Oh, I would love that. I I would definitely love that. Let's talk about the other two guys then that you invoked when talking about Sean Murphy, uh, Tom Murphy in Seattle, and Danny Jansen with Toronto. Now, Tom Murphy also enjoyed a breakout again. I, I highlighted this by talking about all these guys who were C twos or even afterthoughts. You know, free agent guys. That ended up popping off because Tom Murphy's a fake player; doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long-time <laughs> listeners know what we're talking about there. That, that's uh, that's pre-Justin Mason days. That's how long. <laughs> still one of the greatest things that ever happened to <laughs> AFL, as far as I'm concerned. Gene, uh, you know, comes in. We're doing our AFL draft, and he, he's been to dinner, so he's you know he, he's off the clock, folks. So he's enjoyed some uh, beverages, some. and. Uh, they didn't have the the sticker for Tom Murphy, and I had taken him because he's Colorado, and I'm like, I'll take the Colorado guy. Comes in, he's looking at my team, he's like, okay, it's pretty good. Who the hell's Tom Murphy, dude? That's not a guy. Why'd you take a fake guy, dude? And he just starts, like, top of his lungs, roasting me for taking a fake player, and thus was born the fake player meme of Tom Murphy. But fake no more, 18 homers, 273 average, hell of a season there. Also has a pretty bad... Uh, walk strikeout profile at 7% walks, 31% strikeouts. But with Narvaez departing, that's going to open up some playing time for him. 
I'm going to get into who his backup is a little bit later, and I do like him, but I do think that this makes Murphy the the full-timer for sure. So how do you feel about Murphy coming off the, the breakout year? Can he sustain these gains? I think he can sustain some of them. I, the batting average is going to come down. That That's your suspect part? Okay, that's yeah. I, that's fine, though, because I'll take a, you know, the, the catcher profile is like usually weaker batting average, big power. That's what I want, at least. And, I mean, right now he is uh, projected to hit cleanup in this lineup. Not a great lineup, but it's cleanup. It's cleanup. He's going to drive in, you know, a lot of runs uh, and score, you know, a fair amount of runs. Uh, and I think he's going to hit for power. So I think he is 20 home runs and maybe more. And I think we're talking like 60 RBIs, uh, maybe more, and like a 220 batting average, which sucks. But uh, I think he can beat that projection. Yeah, if he gets, you know, if he gets lucky, you know, in, uh, again in the BABIP department. Um, and he, I mean, he has. He did last year, and in a short sample he, in Colorado, he did as well in 2018. So, or if Tom Murphy improves against righties, I think that's that. That's the thing is Carson Kelly's still here. Can he get better against righties um, to, to help keep that average protected a little bit? He had 211 with a 267 bat. He needs to figure some things out to just be a little bit more passable against righties. And then he can sustain some uh, regression against lefties and not have the batting average go all, all the way down to something in the 220s, which is where the projections have Tom Murphy. But I like what you're talking about with regards to the power and batting in the middle of a lineup, even a crummy one. I did want to mention with Alfaro, their lineup got better too, so that also helps him with his counting categories. Uh, that Marlins lineup is sneakily not too terrible uh, this year. Let's talk Jansen then, another guy that we like. We bought in, we got suckered in. Remember last year it was like a, a top nine and then Jansen was lingering there at 10, and then it was a massive drop-off. Turns out he was part of the massive drop-off. It should have just been nine and then nothing. <laughs> we were we were, we were fiddling, fitting him in. It was like nine, Jansen Island, and then the rest. And I well, was, was pushing terrible. him up from nine. Like, I was like, I, 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 was, I was all in. I mean, he was, uh, and he was a complete disaster. It just, yeah. no, no, no way about around that. He just, he was awful. Uh, that being said, I'm ready to be hurt again. I, I I am too, though, actually, because, again, if I'd followed my rules of – because, you know, he did have a 90-plate appearance sample, like or 95. Like, I overrated the shit out of that like a dumbass. But I'd just taken my uh, Sean Murphy thing and said, I'm willing to lose the first year, let everyone else take him, which I wouldn't have lost, of course. Uh, and then by in this year, at the cheaper price, because he didn't work out – it would have been good, but I bought him last year. But I will buy back again because I do think he's going to be uh, more of the full-time starter, especially after uh, Reese McGuire's extracurriculars in the parking lot. Uh, I think Danny Jansen's going to be the starter there. Yeah, I don't, still, I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, not, I'm not getting into all that. We don't have enough time today for that. Uh, Jansen did have a little flourish in – July and August, he hit eight of his homers in those two months, including an 801 OPS in August. So that's nice. But then he did finish with a splat uh, in September, just one homer and a 182 average in 36 plate appearances. But going to be you talk about lineups and lineups improving. We've been we've been gushing about that Toronto lineup all offseason, even batting eight, nine in it for Jansen. He can get some of the residual benefits of at least scoring runs because then Bichette, Biggio, Gurriel Jr., and Guerrero Jr. are going to be there uh, for him at the at the top of the lineup. So 
we like Danny Jansen. Uh, let's talk a little bit about a numbers situation then. Like, what, what are we really expecting him to do as far as a rebound goes? Because he was supposed to be kind of a batting average guy. And then when he hit 207 last year, it was like, so much for that. But he'd hit 323 and 275 in 17 and 18 in the minors. Can Jansen be a 260 guy? I think he can. I mean, right now the projection systems have him from anywhere from 232 to 250. I, I look at two like 45 is kind of the floor for him. Okay, I mean, he hit that 207 with a 230 Babbit, but that, I mean that's gonna come up. Yeah. Uh, even if it doesn't come up a, a ton, it's definitely gonna come up uh, some. So, uh, and he has been like the hottest player in spring training. And I know we're not supposed to buy into spring training tra- stats, but when you've liked a guy previously and you see him uh, really, uh, really start to put things together uh, and solidify a role uh, with you know oh. Reese McGuire being uh, kind <laughs> of in some hot water, uh, yeah. it's uh, I think there is a really good chance that uh, Jansen gets a huge majority of the playing time uh, and hits seventeen to twenty home runs. With like a two sixty to two eighty batting average. Okay, so there's a lot of upside there for Jansen. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely have him as a C two regularly again this year. He was actually a C one for me in a lot of leagues, so that wasn't very good. You mentioned briefly that you do not like Francisco Mejia, who's in this tier as well. Uh, do you want to illuminate a bit why? And then we're going to speed round the uh, the last tier here because it's a bunch of boring guys and I'm up against it for my chat. So, um, but Francisco Mejia, big time prospect. And I'm kind of with you. I've never gotten the warm fuzzies about him, man. I don't know. I, I can't even quite articulate it. Maybe you can help. But I've just never been interested, and I don't really see the big upside that people have have wanted to have from Mejia. So why why are you out on him at age 24? Uh, well, I mean, I, I've been right on him for the wrong reason. Originally, it was because the defense was so bad that I didn't think he was going to be able to stick a catcher, and then the bat didn't play well enough at other positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that he has become a good catcher by any stretch of the imagination, and they still have Austin Hedges there, who is a very good catcher. Uh, oh. and it will eat up time, so like, I don't see him getting any more than like a 50-50 split. The power has never developed to the uh, the thought that, or the, 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 the point that we thought it would, and, and the averages haven't been there either, so... At some point, you got to go. I'm just if he pops on somebody else's team, good for them. But it's just not going to be on my team. Yeah, it's just like I'm a, a willing to lose situation. Like I said about Sean Murphy, I, I'll take the L this year if he does hit the ground running. Okay, I mean, he has been around a bit longer. He does have 320 major league plate appearances, but an 86 WRC plus. He did it 265, which is pretty good for a catcher. But he was supposed to be like a batting average asset at the very least, even if he didn't hit for power. So. I don't know, man. Maybe he's just taking longer to develop. He is only 24. Again, if he goes off this year and then price goes up next year, I'll reassess and buy. I'll, I'm willing to pay the toll next year for sitting out this season because I just I'm not I'm not really seeing it with regards to Francisco Mejia. So there's just other guys I like in this tier too. We just covered uh, all of them. So all right. So the boring vets. It's it's a glob. So we're gonna speed round them. I'm going to have you say just one thing about them and move on to the next one because they're all kind of the same, but give us kind of a, as unique of a thought as you can on all of them. Let's start with Yadi Molina. Uh, he's a volume play. And, Buster, uh, go ahead. Uh, volume play that doesn't hurt you in the batting average. Buster Posey, supposedly more healthy this year. 
Um, do, do you buy it? And what do you think of Posey? I do buy it, and I buy that they're going to be willing to play him at first base more and more uh, because Brandon Belt is just a disaster. I'll drop a spoiler alert and say Posey's actually my favorite of this group, and I have already bought in a few shares. Uh, Travis no health constant issue out in Atlanta now. What do you think of Travis Diarno? I'm fading him. I just, the, the health uh, concerns from his, uh, his career and then Tyler Flowers being on that roster and being a, a really good catcher. A brilliant him. defensive catcher. Yeah, the, I just think that Darno's not going to get the volume he needs to repeat last year. Agreed. Kurt Suzuki continues to hit out in Washington. Uh, doesn't need big volume to do so. Can he continue the magic? He's going to be age uh, 36 this year. You buying in on Kurt Suzuki after two big years in a row? Yeah, I can't. Three, uh, three, three big years. Sorry. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't uh, deny that what he's done at some point. It's just you know I think he's steady production and a, a really nice catcher too. Yeah, Suzuki and Posey, I'll, I'll say, are probably my two favorites tied there. Robinson Torinos going back to Texas, new ballpark. We know it's not going to be as hitter-friendly. It should still be solid, though. I think the dimensions have been moved in. Can he be his boring? He's the prototypical profile I'm talking about. Power, bad average. Is he going to stick stick with doing that? Yeah, I think so, which is All fine right, so Ro- for C2. Yeah, it's, it's te- high teens homers, poor batting average. That's what you're getting. Nothing more, nothing less with Robinson Trinos. Jason Castro, uh, I, I really do like him as well. Going out to uh, L.A. to be with the Angels, going to be their primary guy. Good lineup, interesting metrics, so he'll stay on the field a whole bunch. Can Jason Castro be an interesting C2 this year for you? Yeah, he's probably my favorite late gra- late guy to grab. Uh, I just I think he, you know, his defense – uh, and being on that team, and I th- want to say roster resource. Oh, they have him batting ninth. Uh, before they had him batting higher up in the lineup, like mm-hmm. uh, in seventh. He could uh, hit seven. He still yeah. could. Uh, yeah, no, I like Jason Craster a lot. He's super cheap, and I think he's going to play a ton and just kind of accumulate stats. Tucker Barnhart, part of that nice Cincinnati team. Uh, is there more to his bat at all? Uh, I think there is more, but I don't know if we're ever going to see it because – I think Tyler Stevenson's going to be one of the first guys up. Ooh, that's a good call. That's a prospect. Keep an eye on, on him. And by the way, Tucker Barnhart has eschewed switch hitting now. He's done with that because it just wasn't working. So maybe that helps him improve his numbers a little bit too. Uh, Pedro Severino, basically poor man's Carson Kelly uh, offensively in that he absolutely terrorizes lefties but can't hit righties. Does Chance Cisco chase him down or does does uh, does Severino do his thing this year and be the be the full-time guy? No, I think Cisco will chase him down. There's no reason for the Orioles not to give Cisco uh, every opportunity, especially with Rushman uh, coming. They need to see what they have in Cisco if he's going to be a long-term part of this team, or if they can even try to, you know, garner up some trade value with him. Mike Zanino sucks. Moving on, Austin Romine going to play for the Tigers a lot, but has always been a defensive first guy. Is there any appeal there? Is it AL only? AL only. Okay. And then Stephen Vogt, we already discussed. All right, so I have three things, d- deep league specialties. Austin Nola is going to be the backup for Tom Murphy. He's going to earn catcher eligibility. It's going to take a little while, but he is going to play around the diamond. Another non-catching catcher, because even the days that he's not playing uh, and Murphy is, he could be out on the field at different positions. So I'm intrigued by Austin Nola. Do you share that interest? I'm intrigued because you can move to catcher. If he wasn't going to get that catcher eligibility, I probably wouldn't be interested agreed, at all. Agreed, agreed. But because of that, uh, if you can kind of roster him really late uh, and then just kind of hold on 
uh, for a little while until you, you know, take him in the 29th round and then 30th round grab your act- your actual C2 for the first few weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Yes, I, I fu- fully agree with all that with Austin Nola. Isaiah Kanter-Falefa, another non-catching catcher type because Jeff Mathis is there behind Chirinos. Kiner Falefa is crushing it in spring. So that's the only reason I brought him up is that he is having a huge spring. And if he's playing all over the place as a C eligible guy, he can run a little bit too, hitting four homers, 1199 OPS. Any love for Kiner Falefa in a deep league C, as a deep league C2? Uh, maybe an ale only. I just I don't know if there's enough in that bat necessarily to sustain over a full season. So it would be the speed. I mean that's yeah. that's really the 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 intrigue. And we're talking like eight to ten stolen bases. I don't want to overrate that, it. Yeah, kind of I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then the last one, Austin Allen, who we did uh, hint at earlier, the backup behind Murphy. Hit 21 homers last year, 22 and 22 the two years before that. Dude can rake. Has been a bit older for his levels, though, so keep that in mind. I mean, not last year. 25 at AAA isn't the end of, you know, it's not like he's some crusty old guy. Can he usurp Murphy and start to get more of a 50-50 share there? Uh, and, and is Austin Allen somebody that you like? Yes, he is. I think he is a super cheap C2 or AL only guy. Uh, that isn't going to break your bank, and I think uh, I, I don't think he's going to strike out at the levels that we saw last year uh, in his short sample. He struck out a 30% clip, uh, but he's been about 20% or under for the majority of his minor league career uh, and can uh, take a walk. I, I like Austin now a lot, and I think he will probably cut into Sean Murphy's time and uh, Allen's a guy that I wouldn't mind taking a shot in on AL only or even f- deep 15-team mixed. Love him on, on AL only. And yes, we'll even consider him as a C2 in 15-team mix. And if it looks like he's not, he is a once-a-week type of guy, then I just move on. But to start, I'm willing to take that gamble on Austin Allen. So there's catcher. It was a quicker one because there's just no need to go that deep because there's a lot of blandness after those first nine guys. We have a few favorites that we like beyond that. But uh, we're almost done. We're in the home stretch. So on Monday, we will cover... Actually, you know what? To get something out. I know... Can you do something on Friday? Uh, I could probably work something in. My wife might kill me. We might have but... to, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk. We'll talk. Because I want – I'll tell you what, folks. I'll at least have my re- reliever rankings up for this weekend, for those of you drafting this weekend. Because um, I don't think we're going to be able to pod uh, before then. So we'll pod on Monday. And we're going to have uh, so with much relievers. stuff on Monday to talk about with a main event and with Tout. Yes. I can fit in a quick recording Friday morning. Okay, well, let's let's, let's, let's convene on that. Let's convene on that because I will be up very late doing MLB, and maybe I'll just stay up and do a Justin Mason. So we'll talk about that. I got to run and do my chat, but there's catchers for you folks. Justin, great talking with you, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.